Hi, I'm Brendan Hay. And I'm Mike Yank. And I'm Sarah Nerboso. And we, we are, are some of the writers of Harvey Girls Forever! Good day and welcome to Writers Get Animated, a podcast about storytelling, animation, and following your magical dreams and boy band crushes. I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And I'm Chris Leva. And today, as you may have guessed based on our guest intro, we are talking about Harvey Girls Forever, um, which is just now premiering season two on Netflix. Um, it's amazing. We've talked about it once before briefly, and we're excited to dig into more of how this magic comes to be. I don't even know where to start. Uh, I'm just so excited. And <laughs> why, why don't you do um, introductions again, Mackenzie? Oh, okay. Let people know. You know, they, they know names now, but let's let's talk about <laughs> job this titles one. and things like that. This one. Okay. Well, we have, of course, Brendan Hay, executive producer. Hi there. How's it going? Good. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having us on. I really appreciate it. Uh, we also have Mike Yank, story editor. Uh, that's me. Uh, and yes, my name is very funny. <laughs> <laughs> and Sarah Nerboso, staff writer. That's me. My name is sometimes funny, but I don't find it that funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It can be a gray area. Yeah. Yeah. I've been there. <laughs> it just means your name contains volumes. Yes, mm -hmm. yeah. Have you guys all been with the show from the beginning now? Um, close to it. Uh, we all, uh, Sarah actually has been in it with since the very, very beginning. Like back literally when I was even still in development, Sarah was still involved. Yeah. Um, Mike and I came in kind of uh, close to day one uh, once it went into production. So yeah, um, yeah, because this was a little bit of, I think I may have shared this someplace when it began, but uh, slightly different process here where the show one of the execs here at dreamworks beth cannon had an idea years ago of she was a fan of the old harvey girls comics of audrey dot and lada and she was like man there's a way to put these three characters together and really do a show with them so for this is like her passion project going back to the show i did at dreamworks before this was dawn of the crudes and like she was my exec on that and it was like five six years ago she's like no we are someday going to make a harvey girls show this is my dream <laughs> Uh, and thankfully, she met a writer who shared that dream, uh, Emily Brundage. So they developed the show together. And by the time we came in, Emily had moved on to another project. But Mike and I jumped in because uh, we were coming right off of Dawn of the Crudes at that time. So we were really happy to jump in. Uh, Aliki Theophilopoulos, uh, my co-showrunner and the supervising producer on the show, she, her and Sarah were already here. And um, yeah, we just then hit the ground running and began kind of taking this great uh, Bible that had been created and just making the show from it wow that's so amazing when you like can know that you're going to make a show eventually and it actually happens and follows through exactly no it is that rare thing in tv and that case of like oh it actually didn't suddenly become like so i make this show about like three girls who are best friends and live together on a block and can do anything and it becomes like so there's five woodchucks in space <laughs> like something <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. really beating the odds yeah <laughs> But yeah, so no, it was, uh, and it was a blast. Yeah, I've been with it since day one, and the three of us and uh, Rachel McNevin and Jamie Ushiro, who were the other two writers on this season, yeah. um, and on the first season as well, uh, we were in the room the whole run and just really got a chance to kind of find who these characters are and just run with it more and more. It became also a show that became... It was never very plot-heavy. I mean, Mike, you still have my favorite description mm -hmm. ever of our show. Yeah, it's like, what if there were some kids... Full stop. 
He <laughs> <laughs> says, like, a very low-concept neighborhood hangout show with some yeah. interesting characters, and the characters really drive the stories and the action, and yeah. it's been a real blast to work on something like that. Yeah, and the more time we got to spend with it, the more time it really <clears> was, like, really figuring out who these characters are so the more stories start to present themselves and or we could take deeper dives on our some of our weirder side characters and still have that work and uh, yeah just get to play with the ensemble more and more so super fun like the batch we all i know in the lead up to the batch that's dropping uh, a lot of our crew has been like yeah this actually is my favorite batch of episodes and at least for myself i know that's is the case like this was really where i love season one i keep joking this is the one TV show I've ever worked on where I'm like, I would not scrap an episode. Every other series is like, oh, there's that one that I hate and would love to just strike from the earth or get back and do more to. Harvey, thankfully, has been the show where, like, everything in season one I really dug, but season two, I think, is better. I think we just found it even more. Yeah, I think we all really started to, like, know the characters better and, and that it could just be like, this is absolutely a dot episode. This is absolutely mm-hmm. a lot of episode. And, like, then just started to flow, like... Because by the time we're doing season two, you you would know, like, Lana would never say that. Yeah. You know, like, we can't, you know, Audrey only would say this. Mm-hmm. And then also get to know, like, Tiny and yeah. Fredo and Pink Eye more, better. Yeah, yeah, definitely after we have some of the more sort of solid stories under our belt, then we kind of have a license to explore the <laughs> secondary characters who, like, yeah. we love. And um, we just had a lot of fun making sure each one of them gets their own turn in the spotlight for this mm-hmm. season. Yeah, exactly. It was nice to be like, well, what's our Lucretia episode? What's our Tiny episode? What's our Melvin? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also, the other thing I will say, by about uh, somewhere towards the end of season one, we discovered that all of us enjoy musical comedy. <laughs> yeah. So season two, it has so many music episodes yeah. where we just started realizing yeah. it's like, especially Mike is, I think, the uh, the master mm-hmm. of our group yeah. on that for writing comedy lyrics and write, and actually coming up with <laughs> melodies that work. And then uh, me and Rachel were like, we want to do musical episodes, yeah. too. <laughs> and then, like, I think our execs were like, okay. You can dial it back a bit. I think Jamie yeah. wrote, oh, Jamie wrote a rap. That's right. In this, right. It was like, yeah. <laughs> like, it all just kept growing. It's like more and more. It's like, we want to play with this to, uh, yeah, the the slight reveal for everybody who hasn't seen. At one point in the season, you will find there is a uh, animal point of view musical episode. <laughs> Like, it got to, like, that point of, like, I think we can make this work. And and somehow it's still kind of a dot episode at the same time. Like, it's, yeah. (laughs) We got to have some fun changes and crazy stuff. Also, our cast, we found out, like, Mm. Kelly, for example, is an amazing Uh singer. That did help. Yeah, Yeah, it was. Yeah, Kelly, who voices Dot, uh, as we got to know more of her. Because we, like, knew Kelly. It's like, oh, yeah, she's on Grey's Anatomy. That's her thing. It's like, oh, no, she's done a lot of Broadway. Mm -hmm. She can actually really (laughs) sing. So it's like, we can give her stuff. Um, (laughs) So then on the other end of the spectrum, but equally happy discovery was uh, Danny Pudi, who voices Tiny, uh, actually can do an amazing heavy metal voice. In Tiny's In Tiny's character. So it's basically if Tiny was fronting Iron Maiden, basically. Okay. Uh, So it's like, okay. It's like each character also kind of found like, here's what works for them. And less surprising, but totally amazing was Stephanie Lemlin, who voices Audrey, is basically every 80s hair metal, like uh, like Pat Benatar uh, kind of vibe that you could ever want. So it was like, okay, each character also then has their genre that correlates because right. we figured out what they could sing. To say nothing of his very <laughs> impressive uh, burping skills. Oh, well, that is still... Uh, here's a fun just fun fact to share. Uh, any burp you hear on the series is probably by Stephanie Lemelin. Stunt, stunt burp. Stunt burp. She will stunt burp for every character. She can burp on cue. She can recite words through burps. Much of the distress of some of the other voice actors. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Does, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Other voice actors actually got visibly nauseous. 
uh, in the booth recording with her. But yeah, it's still an amazing skill. Yeah. yeah. What was the question? That's- <laughs> I'm sorry. That's as you got us running. But we'll turn it back to you guys. Sorry. Oh, no, no, that's that's terrific. I mean, hopefully that's in her special skills on the resume. You don't want to leave something like that off the paper. Oh, dear, no, no, no. That's, yeah, that has to, that's key to getting a lot of gigs. So once it started growing from some kids hanging out, you know, all living together, what were the things that started to surprise you as it started to grow and expand? Um, one thing that surprised me was how heartfelt the show, uh, not that the show ever didn't have heart, but it was just tapping into that more and more of, um, one of the nice things, actually, I got to give a credit to, um, one of the executives at DreamWorks on our show, Maria Krenna, very early on, always kept encouraging us to have very genuine emotions. Um, and it was leaning into that more and more and letting it be really a celebration of friendship. Uh, Hmm. it is... Not that I even have a specific other cartoon in mind, but I feel like there is a tendency sometimes in comedy, live action or animation, to just have characters be jerks to each other because it's a way to get quick laughs. So yeah. that became something that we had early on. I think if we did it once type of thing, we got a note and it became something we just consciously always steered clear of and instead found, A, you could, have, you could find so many other realms of comedy to go to, but B, you could get some real genuine heart and celebration of friendship. Yeah. That, and, like, early on, it was kind of realized that we don't want the girls... There's conflict, but it's not... They're not adverse each other. It's not Audrey versus Dot. It's, yeah. it's they have different perspectives or they're worried about the other one, but they're never, like, fighting each other in yeah. a mean way. Yeah. That you can still have a... Yeah, you can still be friends with somebody and just have very different passions in a moment. Yeah. And letting conflict kind of arise from that. Or even with the other kids, it was a place to like, oh, these people can actually like each other at the end of an episode, and that's fine. We are good with that. Yeah, and we just sort of tried to paint it as a very aspirational place to be. You know, we all wish we could live on Harvey Street, and um, everyone has fun and um, puts each other up, and uh, it was very fun to uh, have a hand in creating that world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very nice that there is no judgment or any of the characters, even the stranger ones, or it's just because somebody has a gross habit, you know, they're not ostracized from the group or something like that, you know, because kids can be gross. And it's and in the end, they all still love each other. And I think there is, I feel really comfortable letting my six-year-old watch it because he's not learning bad things from them. Um, he already does pick his nose. So he's not learning that from from them. He's, you know, he's learning about being a good friend. And and that's, that's really nice to be able to have a show that feels kind. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, again, it was something we were trying to lean into. And it's funny, I think with this batch of episodes coming, we really actually tried that even more partially, um, as much as any, as any cartoon, sometimes we actually just start reflecting the world around us where it was as so much of the world seems to be getting meaner. Uh, it was more important to us to keep a little bit of like, no, we're actually want to support like doing the right thing is a good thing <laughs> and <laughs> is rewarded. And yeah, it again, just trying to keep that aspirational positivity. Um, but just always the thing that was in my mind was like, oh, to keep it funny is it can be insane positivity. Like it can <laughs> be like kind of positivity turned up to 11. But um, <laughs> it just felt more important, especially, yeah, this batch of episodes really was like, no, we want to make sure this feels inclusive and welcoming and just yeah. all the things that sometimes are lacking in the real world right now. Yeah. Even <laughs> if a kid is lice, you shouldn't, you know, yeah. shun them 
and yeah. banned them from the block. Yeah, we definitely. I mean, yeah. it's still like you don't want lice, but you know. Yeah. We have a <laughs> we have a lice episode that is very much our. Um, yeah, it's a yeah. bit of a parable. It's a bit of a parable for America. Of, <laughs> look, do you keep all kids with lice out of the park uh, with you know say wall esque or whatever means uh, necessary? <laughs> or do you find a way to, you know, maybe help them with the lice and still be friends with them? Yeah, I want to also shout out to Rachel McGevin, yeah. who um, couldn't be here, but was the staff writer who did that episode. It's yeah. just amazing. It's amazing and hilarious. And, uh, yeah, you get to see uh, an Audrey Melvin team up that is uh, wonderful and horrifying. Yeah, very <laughs> high degree of uh, difficulty episode. Yeah. She nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, that goes a little bit towards the Pretty in Pink Eye episode, I feel. Yeah, that was her too, right? Uh, was that Rachel Gina? That Yeah, fantastic episode. And, yeah. Which, I I, I love that the, the comedy always comes back to the reality where, you know, it's it's about these, you know, Dot learning to be okay with Pink Eye and then you know, the final moment, and then, oh, yeah, by the way, it's it's still really contagious. <laughs> like, like, you don't lose that. I was yeah. like, oh, gosh, but that, oh, good, they, they addressed it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah, it's, you should accept somebody with pink eye as your friend. You shouldn't push your eye against this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I really enjoy this idea of not wanting to just use jerk comedy as, like, a crutch and do that. Um one of the long time things on our show is that Chris particularly hates bad dad jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Not dad jokes, but bad dads being a thing. Yeah. Right. Um, oh, wow. Uh, so for each of you, I would like to know if there's one character you particularly like, love working with or writing for. Uh, absolutely. I'll let Mike, we'll go down the line here. Um, I mean, I'm a big Lucretia stan. I think <laughs> she just, like, is just so full of emotion and uh, just loves the Harvey girl so much. And um, her brain is not quite right. And uh, she, I just love her so much. Yeah. Um, I mean, I also have a passion for Lucretia. But I will say the character who I think was always easiest for me to write was Audrey. Because it is just so much tapping into just stream of consciousness. That it is like, okay, what is the most direct... M- most most intense, most direct solution to any problem, and the fact that she would most likely also think it all aloud just became such an easy, fun place to write from. And also, I grew to only love the challenge of her making up words, or over time, also, we realized we had somewhat naturally started a runner that she doesn't frequently use people's proper names. It'll always either be like a nickname or something like that. So that became a more conscious effort as we went on, where it's like, no, she's not going to say dot. She's going to come up mm-hmm. with like a thing. So it was always like, you know, uh, rock, not going to rock him dotum or rock him dotum or yeah. I see your Hamilton. Not going to throw away my dot. I know that's yeah. like when we get to at some point, like that sort of thing. Like always, like okay, how is she going to say it? So just the fun and games of her and the stream of consciousness. I love. For me, um, dot was the character I was drawn most to. Um, I love that she's really smart and. I admit that, like, I think some of my own neurosis started seeping into Dot <laughs> as I started writing her. Uh, but um, I don't know. I just was, was became, like, a little obsessed with Dot. Um, I love getting her, like, in situations where she thinks she's smart. She, she could outsmart it. Mm-hmm. But it, it just gets her smartness gets in her way. Um, 
Yeah, I'm a dot actually, girl. <laughs> and you have one of, if not my favorite dot episode of the series coming up in this batch, uh, Dottle Rocket, which is that to a key. <laughs> that is very much, I feel like, both you and Dot of like, no, I'm going to achieve this even if I must break the laws of physics to do <laughs> yeah. so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Very confident. Yeah. I like hearing that. One of the most real moments for Dot in, in speaking about that moment for me was like in the serial episode where you see inside of her brain and it's like, I can figure this out. I can figure this out. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we may go back there. <laughs> yeah. Perhaps we'll see more of Dot's we, Yeah. Dot's uh, inner brain gets a, a, a much more of a world to play in, uh, which is pretty nice in this season. Yeah. 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 Cool. Um, could you talk us through... I mean, now that we talked through some of the character stuff, could you just talk us through the making of an episode and your process and how things change and evolve and what happens? Absolutely. Um, I'll start and then I'm going to toss you at a certain point in this. Yeah. Um, so we basically, we do a lot of like kind of start as a group, then go solo for a bit, then come back as a group on every episode. So our starting place always is at basically every maybe like 10 episodes we'll do a brainstorming session for a few hours which is just um the three of us rachel jamie uh, our script coordinator uh, marie chang will all just sit down and just throw out as many ideas we'll kind of go in a circle and just like mike's idea my idea sarah's idea yeah. and keep going and everybody just tosses out a few sentences um and we usually end up with like a crazy amount of ideas from that which then mike and i'll read over and start winnowing down and it, whether it is like some ideas get married together or some are like we'll go back to sarah and be like we really love like this start of a thing where would you want to take it if it became an audrey story something like that um mm -hmm. and usually from that then we'll have like we'll make a little list of like okay here are the 10 10 most ready to go but also we try to balance it so it's like we don't want like here's 10 lotta ideas it's like okay we have like three lot two lotta two audrey two dot here's a lucretia so we have like we feel like we have a good balance uh and then from there we start just due to our schedules like every week it's basically like here's the next premise that we're gonna go, next idea that's gonna go into being a premise so who's up yeah. yeah um and part of working on an animation uh show is that you're juggling uh so many episodes at the same time so um, we'll have one episode that's at one stage and another that's at another stage and, you know, you'll have back-to-back -back meetings addressing uh, the issues with them. But uh, we'll have a premise that um, we'll sort of work out together. The, the writer of that will um, turn it in and we'll uh, get feedback from our wonderful execs. Uh, then from there, uh, we'll incorporate that feedback into like a four-page outline. And uh, then from there into a full uh, 15, 16 page script. Yeah. And um, then we'll all meet together as a room and spend a day uh, just going through a line by line, seeing if there are any bigger story things that need to be changed and um, pitching jokes mm -hmm. and uh, really getting it into the best version it can be. And then from there, we'll get uh, some more notes from the exec on that and then hand it off to the uh, amazing storyboard team. Yeah. yeah. And I was going to say, we try to our bet as much as possible, and I hopefully we seem to pull this off, is try to let anybody who like originally pitches the idea see it all the way through so that everybody kind of has ownership of their ideas. So if it is like, Sarah, just use your example, like you pitched the dot episode. That, so it's like, okay, it'll be like for the premise, Sarah will, after the initial thing, she'll flesh it out a bit, pitch her fleshed out take to Mike and I. If we have any thoughts or notes, we'll kick it back. But generally it's like, okay, cool. Write up the one page version, we yeah. hand that in. Then for the outline that we will get the whole group back together and Sarah will take us through her ideal version of that whole story. So it is kind of like you flesh it out and we use the Dan Harmon story circle uh, mm -hmm. to kind of map out our stories. So it's basically it's whoever's episode it is, 
they will... It's really helpful, though, because sometimes yeah. when you're too close to it, you might miss, like, that, you you know, your midpoint is not as strong as it could be, which is why it's so great to be able to take it back to the yeah. whole room and, and put, you know, have people asking devil's advocate questions, <laughs> and you're like, ah, oh, I was hoping you'd ignore <laughs> yeah. that problem with the story. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and then just make it as strong as possible. Yeah. And so that is, the really nice thing is then, so there's enough kind of broken, figured out story by the end of that, that like, yeah, the writer will go off, write that four page outline. We submit that. And then similarly, they'll go off and write the draft on their own. And then it kind of comes back to group at that point after the draft is written. The way we do it, it's funny because I feel like a lot of ownership over the episodes mm-hmm. that are my episodes, but I also really feel like, also like my fingers and ownership <laughs> over everybody else's yeah. too. Yeah, so it's great. Cause it's you, the hope. You, yeah, we all like, it yeah. all goes through everybody, so it's a more unified voice, but also yeah. it gets all loved and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely a very uh, collaborative uh, process in general. Um, everyone gets a crack at things that they feel like aren't quite working for them, and we'll, mm-hmm. uh, you know, worst case, just air it out and have a discussion about it. But, yeah, and it's a real testament to Brendan for uh, empowering uh, his crew. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, it definitely feels like it comes out with a unified voice. I think we feel that. Um one of the things I will give an example because it's hard to articulate this. Um, I love joke structure. And one of the things that I really value about Harvey girls forever is there's often at least one big one, every episode where the joke gets punched to a level that you aren't expecting. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks. Um, so the one that sticks to mind from just rewatching some episodes is, um, there's one episode in season one where the girls are t- telling Audrey that she can take things too far sometimes. And there's a smash cut to them in a boat in a storm. And Audrey just says, like, turn back now. And then it zooms out more like when we're this close to Japan. <laughs> how do you always consistently do that? <laughs> I'm sure, was that who was that your joke or was that no, who I was that it was Rachel's episode it was Rachel's episode I'm yeah. sure who had that joke originally but yeah I think a lot of it I will say the inspiration oh. behind a lot of like the humor is just um is also just thinking of the visual so like on something like that like okay it's fun enough to see them in any body of water but like knowing we'll get that better visual impact if we pull out to that so like that one specifically I feel like okay no we're going to go to 11 because like we're a cartoon. We should embrace that. It always was like, what is the stronger visual humor? I also feel like, I mean, I don't remember, but that seems like a moment where somebody had said like, oh no, the room was in Japan and we all laughed. Like that's another <laughs> thing. Like, we all laugh in the room. We're like, okay. Yeah, there's probably know. something there. Let's yeah. See, yeah, if it's not breaking a character or the world or something, this is worth pursuing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we'll check up right like, can we do yeah. that? Like, yeah. yeah. There's a lot. I feel like that actually is a lot of the way I think for what you're saying, where it gets one upped. It's the joy of being a collaborative show because there is a thing of like it might be even like kind of a simpler version of that might have been in the original draft and then kind of like oh as we're all kind of like just punching it and pushing it more and more that's how we get there. So there's so many jokes I can think of in our show especially the cutaway jokes mm-hmm. which is like oh there's ever so slightly a like setup that kind of teed the idea of like showing a crazy cutaway and it's like then when we all get together in a room yeah we should do that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. The things going too far, though, became almost a running joke in our writer's room of, yeah. like, the girls being like, you're going too far! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the the question I have with that is, uh, how do you know that a joke goes too far out of the world that 
you've created. So how do you know that a joke doesn't work for Harvey Harvey Girls Forever? Um, thankfully, it's a few different checks and balances, I feel like. We have our own room, which uh, I feel like our room was always really good at policing character. That if it felt to be like, you know what, like, that's a funny joke, but it's like, Lada wouldn't really say yeah, that. Or, selling someone out. Exactly, yeah. Or it's like, either selling out or like, yeah, but we're kind of like, that's a little too mean to Melvin or something like that. Like, so that we police ourselves on that. And then I think actually, this is where the rest of our team comes in handy. Because like, the, there's a bunch of times where it'd be either a board artist or a story uh, or a director would come to us and be like, I know this is this joke here. This actually, as we're boarding it or as we're trying to visualize it, I don't think it actually is going to land the way you want it to. Or like, oh, this actually feels a little too cartoony and ridiculous for our show. Uh, so they'll be the ones who kind of, and there have been those. I know it's hard to hard to believe, but there was a few that's like, nope, that you're right. And they like some things that might make it to, like the rough boards, but then we'll see it and be like, you know what? Nope, that actually does feel a little too much. And even a few times there'll be like a joke that if something walks the line, I love our crew because they all thankfully are comfortable enough saying like, you know what? That joke actually, I didn't feel great about it. Like uh, the point of view on that joke actually is a little wonky. And we've had things like, oh, you know what? That never crossed our minds in our room, but we're really grateful that you're saying that. And then we'll just come up with a better gag. Yeah, one of the luxuries of working in animation is that you get to have so many opportunities to uh, improve an episode as it is being made. Yeah. You know, you have the rough pitch where the storyboard artist pitches it. You have an animatic, even like up to getting animation back uh, from overseas. If something's not working as well as it could, you have an opportunity to make it work. Yeah. Yeah, even I'm trying, is, yeah, cause we even had our cast sometimes. I was gonna say, even sometimes when they're recording, sometimes like somebody like Ray might be like, "I don't know about this," or, yeah. or like make an adjustment. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay. And it's almost yeah. always the case, like, "Yep, you know what? That sounds better. Yeah. That does sound more like the character." Yeah. Yeah. Well, how long is the? Um, how long do you have in the creation of an episode? <laughs> so on the writing side of things, as this whole thing we're talking like premise to outline to draft to hand in, that's about three weeks. Uh, I'd say it's about like the life of every eleven minute script is about three weeks, right? Three to four. Three to four. Yeah, yeah. three to four weeks, and then it gets off to a, the board team, which has it for six weeks. Then it gets off the animatic team, which has it for five weeks, four or five weeks, depending on the episode. Yeah. And then we send it off and yeah, it magically comes back. yeah. Then well then yeah. Then design has it for never enough weeks, and then <laughs> it goes to poor design always is the, at the end of the line and gets impacted the most. But then yeah, design has it, and then it goes overseas. Also, just because our show is continuously the show that like, look, it's kids on a block. How how much new designs are needed per episode? And then inevitably, it's like. So we're sorry. Audrey has a cutaway joke where she goes through seventeen right. costumes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah, sometimes we got in trouble. Yeah, we just try to cut back. We don't yeah. have to balance. Exactly. It's the part again. We're all on the same crew. Nobody wants to break design. Um, but, and our designers are so amazing. Uh, That's they're awesome. Yeah. They're yeah. Very impressive. Yeah. yeah. And then also to to uh, to balance it out, they also so many times will be like, "I read this. Can we do this also?" And I'll be like, "Sure. You know what you have to do." Then. Yeah. But yes. There has been some episodes where it's like. Hey, the designers really want this type of episode. Oh, yeah. 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 You're like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like, the, when it's possible, we try to get the uh, artists involved in the process as early as possible. Yeah. Like, oh, we're doing an episode where a character goes on an adventure. What do you think would be a cool visual place to design? Yeah. 
or fan fiction type. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because we do, in this batch of episodes, we have a fan fiction episode. We go back to Lucretia's podcast yes. I was referenced once, so that gets, you basically get an episode of seeing her fan fiction podcast. And that fulfilled our, a lot of our designers' dreams, yeah. too. And, and that board artist. That was Jelly's, yes. yeah. uh, our board artist, who's amazing, uh, Jelly. Uh, she went crazy with that episode, because it was also a case of his, like, okay, uh, Jelly and I'm trying, that was Hillary I think directed that yeah. episode also. or no it was Scott, Scott. it was Scott yeah. um, where it was also a little bit of going to our board artist and director on that episode like okay we're gonna do like three style parodies for like her Audrey story her Dot story and her Lotta story what's the kind of things you want to do and it was like giving Jelly her dream of doing a Sailor Moon episode it's, starring Lotta basically God is really into robots <laughs> oh that's right yeah so yeah. Scott yeah. got his him, yeah, yeah. Mike yeah, asked yeah Mike wrote the Lucretia fanfic episode and yeah that was right you asked him and that's how we got the Dot Star Trek Lost in Space mm-hmm. uh, parody <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I can't wait to see that Um, you mentioned you guys uh, might have multiple episodes that you're working on at a time so do you typically do like you said uh, uh, one episode will have like a three week lifespan but do you have like three different episodes in a week that you're essentially working on yeah it's basically kind of always one episode of premise one episode of outline one episode of draft while you're watching pitches for the previous ones you had done (laughs) Yeah. yeah yeah lots of meetings (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just yeah, you you find ways to it's just keep it rolling. Rhythm. I'd say it's usually once when a writer's on draft, they usually drop out of the other stuff that week. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. thankfully we have enough people in the room and on the team that's always kind of like at least usually for the outline and premise stuff, it's like me and Mike and the writer who's writing it and like one other potty, and then that extra person might be out kind of on draft right now. Are there any things that you? would want to and are able to share that happened specifically in the Harvey Girls Forever writing room that don't necessarily have an impact on the episode. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think because it's we're not particularly no. dig- it's because I feel like I've definitely been in the rooms where it's like oh well every day starts with an hour watching blankety blank or talking mm-hmm. about this thing. I but- remember there was a time when we were sharing a wall of another writer's room oh, and we yeah. could hear like a a bouncing exercise ball going around. <laughs> and I remember saying to Mike, like, do you wish we were more like that? <laughs> and Mike looked horrified. <laughs> yeah, no, we are, um, I would say the only things I think for, like, the... You had your celery snack idea, which revolutionized a bunch <laughs> right. of the wrapped in your snacking. We're such nerds. We're like, <laughs> yeah. celery. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's the rampant hard drugs. Yeah. <laughs> How do you think we come up with these crazy ideas? Yeah. Um... Yeah, because I feel like there was an early on was I am definitely somebody who hits a I need a ton of caffeine or sugar in the afternoon. So I would either do uh, there's a candy room in the DreamWorks uh, studio. So I would do a run to that for a long time, which was not great for always for everybody. And so Mike then started the good change to also uh, loading up on lots of celery mm-hmm. to uh, help kind of like you're still munching on something, but maybe not conscious of it as much. So a more, I know a lot of the room tried that. I still dove in farther than I needed on sugar and caffeine, but it's still very dangerous because DreamWorks gives us like access to candy and ice cream, and ice yeah. cream and soda, so much soda, so much soda. All so yeah. you're not supposed to like just consume all day on long. a daily basis that yeah. much. Yeah. So I think um, that, but otherwise, I feel like the only things that we would dive into less. 
you, but I feel like you, me, and Rachel would go down to like possibly horror, like deep dives on horror movie conversations. Yeah. Uh, which would in no way impact the show. Cause it's like the rest of the show doesn't really need to discuss martyrs, but like we might right. be on like whatever. Yeah. Hereditary's not hered- yeah. its way into the. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, so like that kind of thing. We like might deep dive on like a horrific film that would never impact the show. Yeah. So the three of us have that in common, but that's about it. Except for that really special <laughs> hidden episode. Exactly, yeah. 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 We're all pretty uh we keep up on politics so especially this season there uh um sarah wrote episode where one character has a difference of opinion about climate change (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah that was uh, it it goes to a crazy cartoony place yeah it stays very cartoony and i actually really feel like it has i love the ultimate message of that episode but um yeah it's since knowing the characters it's frufru is a climate change denier which in just Anger's dot to no end. Yeah. So it is dot going to increasingly, increasingly very ridiculous lengths to make Fru Fru care and believe. I, I would say, yeah, the episode's called Beyond Thunder Dot. So that makes That gives a hint of the of... levels to which she takes this ruse. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but it was good. Yeah, that, that, that makes a lot of sense, actually. It's like, who who is the one? Oh, Fru Fru. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just being self involved to the point that she could care less about anybody else. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So um, with that, how much do you find that you're mining what's around you in these episodes, in, in yourselves and your childhoods and everything else <laughs> for for these episodes? A lot. Uh, one of our other writers who unfortunately wasn't able to make it today is Jamie Ushiro. And this season in particular, um, so we introduced, I can reveal this because it's even from the tail end resolving the cliffhanger, we introduced Audrey's older sister, Zoe. And uh, it is, uh, yeah, they are just, they butt heads on every single thing. And so much of their actual relationship is based on Jamie's relationship with her sister. Uh, to a sometimes uncomfortable after you watch a degree of just kind of like, what did you do to each other? Like this yeah. uh, kind of thing. <laughs> that really inspired me. <laughs> yeah. I'm an only child, but. As I, am I. So I that like was, to, yeah. Yeah, I was just like, what if I was Jamie? Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. And that would be, that was very much a case of Jamie just kept sharing. We're like, it'd be like, oh, is this too far? And she'd be like, oh no, here's what my sister did to me. And it'd be like, oh my God. Okay. <laughs> well then, yeah. yeah cartoonish. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that relationship very much so is always mine from your life. And I feel like a lot of the other ones there are episodes I'm trying to get in this batch yeah there's very, I mean it's usually I feel like it's especially when we're pitching out and there's like big yeah. brainstorms there's a lot of like here's something I went through at that age now I'm going to take that and run to the most ridiculous version of it because I feel like um yeah there's it's well like yeah, I mean even the one we've mentioned already Donald Rocket mm-hmm. like I mean I that came from just me thinking what did I do as a kid oh I remember this time he shot model rockets and then like what what would that mean you know in Harvey Street you know you see so just kind of start from like what are things I did mm-hmm, when I was right. you know eight years old and there's both like a sort of plot superficial component that's like what are the characters up to this episode but then also the story that what is the sort of emotional uh, dynamic at play in this episode and that in particular is always rooted um, generally in, in something that one of us has experienced, like a, yeah. a cartoony blown out version of it, but yeah. uh, we Feeling find that... Feeling jealous over... So- of yeah, and it just yeah. will feel more authentic if that's where we root it in. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So on the flip side of, like, not just your own personal experiences, because these characters are adapted from the classic RV comics, and you mentioned at the beginning of this, you're getting really used to the characters and what they would do and not do. How do you feel like their personalities have evolved as that's like merged with these real life experiences? Um, 
Again, I actually feel like Audrey gains a lot more depth this season when you get to get a sense of where she's coming from. Mm -hmm. So I feel like she actually becomes this great blend of still keeping like her, she again, just being in some ways our most ridiculous and cartoony <laughs> character, but having a very kind of like, oh, I kind of see where she's coming from. Like I kind of see a little bit of the origin of her, of her manicness and yeah, just where she comes from. So I feel like she gains some depth off of that. Um, and then just for the characters, you know, a lot of really remains the, the most interesting to me in terms of adaptation of yeah. just taking a character who I feel like in the old comics had this one great passion for one thing, and we turned that into kind of uh, a hunger and passion for everything joyful that she enjoys, and just being, uh, that became something that just, again, every every episode we get to kind of find new ways of like, what would Lada love about this? Because she's going to mm -hmm. be the glass half full approach to whatever you give her. Like, I think, I think it's this season... One of the episodes coming up has a line about basically her even putting a positive spin on losing of it's just a chance to try again better next time. Like that kind of a thing. Like, so it's a fun with her of like always just making sure we keep that passion and positivity alive within her. And ha well, again, what's the cartoony version of it every time? And I think that with our boy band episodes, oh my God, Lotta, yeah. yeah, is like a lot of love of Crush for You, you know, could be taken to. Yeah extremes exactly. that are you know she just loves them so much that she goes too far classically. exactly yeah, yeah. yeah but it is a case of yeah like with that it's almost like oh if you have this like great passion but then actually get to indulge in it what happens yeah like, is and that, like yeah. Think how overwhelming would that be yeah you know if you were somebody like lana who loves this boy band to so actually much. meet them yeah would would maybe yeah be a lot yeah, yeah. um with dot also i think you know in the in the originals comics she's just focused on dots you know um what <laughs> but but to take that you know i think that in my mind helped translate to some of her uh for lack of a better word neurosis mm -hmm. of like being really hyper focused on me on something and then maybe not noticing other things like just super focused on science yeah and and forgetting about the, the impact yeah, yeah yeah of it kind of thing yeah hmm. yeah i i think for me, it's, I mean, having seen as a kid, the little Audrey shorts from, I guess the forties and, and then just, um, not knowing that that was adapted for this. But when I st first started watching it and going, why did these, why did, what are these character designs? Why do these look familiar? What's going on? And my brain just trying to fish through because it was recognizable, but unrecognizable, um, are you guys still going back to the source material at all? Or have you just broken with and said, nope, we got enough. We're fine. We're never going back to those comics again. Um, I'm going to have to be slightly coy on this. As soon as you see the new, as soon as you make it through the end of the new season, you will see that we do start to, we play with some other Harvey Comics characters. So I, we don't go back. In season one, we were genuinely looking back every now and then for like, who are some other side characters we could pull in? What are some story ideas we could at least use as springboards? Season two, not so much on that front, but we did start looking at some of just Harvey comics in general. Like, what are some of their kind of like the broader scope of characters that they have? Uh, so that coupled with, thankfully, um, some permissions coming to us of characters to play with. Uh, yeah, we get to we get to have some more fun. That's cool. We we won't ask, we won't ask a follow up on that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. We'll just have to binge. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It's the last, May, the, last, the, last the last episode. episode. <laughs> and that's also, yeah, it's hopefully things are, yeah, 
hopefully we will, there will be another season uh, before too long, and uh, that season would have even more of kind of a little opening up the world to other Harvey characters. Stay That's tuned. cool. Yeah. 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 Um, I guess in in looking at adapting things, so the first season, and I'm sure you've gotten asked this before, but the first season, Harvey Street Kids, and now we're in Harvey Girls Forever. Um, why the name change? And you said we're returning to it, but talk through that process a little bit. And Yeah. Uh, so we actually, so the series began, again, back to Beth Cannon and Emily Brundage. It was Harvey Girls. Uh, that was always when we all came on. It was Harvey Girls. It was that way for a very long time. Um, and, you know, it's as happens on any project, I feel like especially, it's just especially at DreamWorks, and I feel like it's probably true at any studio, a, mil a lot of people get involved and uh, just nobody I think ever ends up with the name they start with. It's just how it goes. So at some point we just evolved to, well, you know what, like our show actually has a pretty big ensemble of kids. We're actually playing with all of them. You know what, let's just make it the broadest title possible, Harvey Street Kids. Uh, and we were all fine with that. It was like, especially because our crew kind of already embraced Harvey Street as our own kind of like, we're Harvey Street. So it's like, yeah, sure, mm. this fits us. Um, but there was always that part of, like, we liked being on a show called Harvey Girls. Like, that was something fun of, like, let's really embrace the heritage. Let's really embrace that this show is three uh, very distinctly funny female characters at our lead. Like, let's embrace that. Because, um, yeah, just to steal a quick side thing from um, from Aliki, uh, my co-showrunner, she always has the great thing of her. what made her want to sign on and do this was she's tired of cartoons that have... It's like, you know, here's the crazy, funny, wild guy. Here's the serious, nerdy guy. And here's the girl. Uh, mm. And she was like, here's a show that doesn't have the girl. Or conversely, the guy. It's every kid is just their own uniquely weird and funny kid. Um, so again, going back to the broad title show, like, well, we are that. Harshy Kid still fits us. We're good with it. Um, after season one, um, basically Netflix was the one who was like, hey, we really love the show and actually want you to lean into what is the heart of the show, which is these three girls and those characters. Um, so that's us doing it. Is they basically like, if you guys want to, we are supportive of that because we think that actually is what the show is. So why not be it? Uh, yeah. yeah. It, it didn't change the way we wrote it at all. No. Yeah. It was just us. So I feel like the show itself is very much the same show. It's just kind of now has a title that reflects it. <laughs> and it's more fun to type out and say. It is. Yeah. And especially having the exclamation point be part of yeah. the title. It's yeah. just really, I think you wrote the thing. I'm gonna, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, whenever I type it out, I feel like I'm yelling and could cheer and going, <laughs> yeah, Harvey Girls forever. Yeah. It's, it's very fun. Yeah. It matches our energy too. I feel yeah. Like. Yeah. I, I mean, I can't help but think every time I read the new title, uh, Wakanda Forever, and it just has the same spirit. <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing. I am so happy to embrace that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there has to be like an H with your arms. Yeah, think. exactly. Yeah, yeah. trying to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It's not as elegant as... Yeah, yeah this is really good for podcasting. Yeah. Nice yeah, exactly. yeah. We're doing a lot of good hand gestures yeah. here. You guys will love it. <laughs> Everyone can imagine with their mind grapes. It's good. <laughs> uh, because you brought up Netflix, we, of course, have been seeing all over Twitter uh, a lot of Netflix animation people showing stuff from their animation town hall. I don't know if any of you had a chance to attend that. No, I wish we did, because I've been also seeing people talking about that on Twitter. Um, so just the kind of uh, the relationship of DreamWorks and Netflix very much is, um, 
I, I can tell you things of like the DreamWorks Town Hall and that sort yeah. of thing, but it is very mm. much like we DreamWorks we deal with DreamWorks. Netflix has been a wonderful partner in that it truly is the only feedback we really ever get is the kind of like more of this. And I don't think on this show we've ever even really gotten a less of this, but like I can say like from the other show I did, like Don the Crudes, every now and then you get like this very broad stroke thing of more or less or you're fine. Like that's about it. But you get basically the feedback of a stoplight. Um, and it's a very good thing because they're very supportive uh, in that regard. They, you never get the like, I don't know about this, kind of like needling network notes. It really is just we are a part of DreamWorks and they are very – Netflix's attitude seems to very much be like, hey, whatever you want to give us, DreamWorks, we trust you and your brand and we assume that that will be good for us. And the DreamWorks brand has been on so many amazing things recently, so – that works. Yeah, exactly. The TV studio here is so, so good and so many talented people in the building. So that's where we get to have the fun of like, oh, cool, I want to see that. And like kind of seeing each other's work. And yeah, like walking through the hall and seeing Shira art. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah so that good. was so much fun. Yeah. And like before it was announced, you're like, oh, cool stuff's happening. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's, I remember also the uh, envy and also, uh, but also still proud of them, of Captain Underpants learning that they were doing puppet sequences. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Things yeah. like that. I'm like, God. You if pulled only. it off. You <laughs> magnificent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. fun to all be in the same space. With yeah. Everybody. Do you guys ever get to share or talk with other shows and get feedback or anything? A little bit here and there. I think it's gotten the studio's getting better at that. Um, they now have instituted a thing on for the showrunners of there's like um, uh, annual or biannual uh, showrunner dinners, which is nice mm-hmm. that they get us all out together, so we all get to kind of like trade trade war stories and ideas and check in with each other uh, and then I feel like otherwise it varies a little bit show to show because like you said yeah, like, c- certainly informally like we're next door to these other super talented people so we can always like pick their brains for ideas yeah like say we have friendships with writers and other yeah. shows mm-hmm. so we can get people good hop, gossip people hop from one <laughs> show to another yeah yeah that's the other nice thing because it is again DreamWorks is a pretty supportive studio in the sense of also it's like once you're working with them and it's working out well they, it's, they want to keep you in the studio so it is a lot of like oh hey you wrapped on this do you want to come at least freelance on this other show and yeah we all get to kind of just mingle I guess the the other thing is what are you um, what are you guys watching or reading to keep yourselves inspired how do you keep your wells full and do you have any recommendations for what you're using to make sure that you know you you still have art to draw on or draw from yeah um, a lot of Netflix. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the greatest streaming service out there by far. I, Everyone I else is terrible. I sometimes look for like old um, Calvin and Hobbes books. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Just I feel like there's a lot of of that spirit in, in what we're going for, uh, hopefully, and yeah. and just like um, I mean, yeah, just like also reminding me what I found really funny when I was a kid, and 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 reaching back for that. Yeah. Um, yeah, Kevin and Hobbs, big time. The other one for me, just for a th- for thematic inspiration or just kind of like, yeah, for a show that I, not to compare us because I, yeah, anyway, I love Parks and Recreation. And that's basically <laughs> just going back to the amount of times that I feel like Parks and Recreation has been like a goalpost or at least like a sign of like, this is where we want to go. And especially again, going back to the positivity, um, mm. they just do that so well of like, they love every character who graces that screen and just 
being able to aim for a show like that, aim for that style of humor. And anytime it was, especially like the feeling the wells are depleted or like, uh, how are we going to make this idea work? It'd be watching some of that and be like, okay, yeah, no, this, this can work. Um, and then, yeah, beyond that, it's actually just a wide range of uh, comedy that I feel like I watch to help go. A lot of it also is um, still really loving sketch or sketch adjacent stuff, which helps with mm-hmm. some of the short form Mm-hmm. Um, cause I mean, it's not exactly except for like documentary now was something mm-hmm. I remember like finding at one point during the run of this yeah. and I'd be like, Oh my God, do I love this show? And just like get hitting into that super specificity of parody and like, yeah, just being inspired there. Yeah. Um, I play a lot of video games and a lot of more narrative ones. Like I just played through this, uh, lovely indie game called night in the woods. Um, mm-hmm. and that's, there's a lot of interesting storytelling being done in that space. And, um, also say that uh, Brendan and Sarah and I all have uh, young children. Oh yeah, um, I have a seven-year-old daughter, and uh, she is like one of the Harvey kids. She <laughs> like gets into wild adventures, and I steal them for the show. Yeah, that is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my daughter is a little young. She's <laughs> only seven months old, so maybe I'll start giving. Yeah, stuff. she'll start. You know, she makes funny maybe, faces. Maybe but... some of the pink eye gags. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Special thanks to the children. Yeah, yeah. 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 always. Yeah. Um, do you have any, um, I don't want to say strange, but any very specific personalized um, rituals that you have for yourself when you are trying to get in the right mind space for writing or for doing the work? You know, I have to have my phone on do not disturb, which isn't so crazy, but, you know, I have to also have like a very specific amount of coffee with <laughs> ice in the right cup. And I have to use my specific pencils in my specific notebook. But um, do you have any, any rituals as you're working through things? I have two uh, and it's kind of an either or I basically just need to either write in public where I will be shamed in my own mind. If I am procrastinating mm-hmm. because people will see me on other sites and not writing. Or if I'm, if I am writing at home, um, I've taken to, for the longest time, I'd like, oh, I'll just make playlists and listen to whatever I want. I've found I can only listen to instrumental when writing, especially mm-hmm. first drafts. Um, so I've alternated between, there's a uh, app called Focus at Will that tries mm-hmm. to kind of curate very productive uh, instrumental music to listen to. So mostly that, if for any reason I'm just getting annoyed at that app and I'm not loving what they're picking, I'll also then just pull up uh, sc- scores that I love that feel like they fit thematically and listen to those. But um, yeah, one yeah. or the other. Yeah, if, if it's a uh, crunch time for me, I just have to disable my Wi-Fi. There's no <laughs> way around that. Yeah, I listen to. I don't know why it works, but I, I listen to like Henry Rollins' radio show. And I just oh, go. Wow. To, yeah. Um, although I kind of like have to ignore him. Keep talking about all the fanatics all the time. But, <laughs> but I'm just like the, the the propulsion of the music. Mm-hmm. Sometimes if I'm, it just it helps me shut out other things. I will say that, no, on that front, if it is a rewrite that I need to do, it can't be a first rap, but a rewrite that I need to do in a really short deadline, uh, yeah, actually, really aggressive punk is always it, and yeah. specifically <laughs> Dillinger 4 is my bad. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're like, I gotta yeah. do this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but, and I, I do like the notebooks they have here at Dreamer, because I'm always yeah. sneaking off to the supply class. And like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. What do they look like? Are they are they magical or just spiral or? They're free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 they're just they're free pretty spiral. normal. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's all you need, just a supply of like something to write in. Yeah. Endless ideas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I guess uh, finally for us, if there's any favorite thing you want to share from uh, working on the show or any other unrelated stuff you want to plug for yourselves that you're working on, we'd love to hear that. Uh, I'll go with this show, this season. Um, so as I said, we got to do a, mu- a bunch of musical episodes, um, all of which there are so many of my favorites, but I'm just going to cheat and slightly do two. Um, <laughs> two of the musical things are two of my favorite things I've ever gotten to work on, and I'm so happy with. One is... Uh, our boy band Crush For You who uh, is voiced by actual boy band members it's Joey McIntyre Joey Fatone Nick Lachey and Sean Stockman and getting to do not just a full episode with them and they were super delightful and funny but do original like comedy boy band songs with them yeah I it was the experience was such a blast they were so much fun to work with but then also our director uh, Hillary Bradfield knocked it out of the park on uh, that episode, it's and really good. it is just so so good and so much fun. And I want to say it's Andrew Marshall or Amy, Amy, I think. Amy, Amy yeah. yeah, Amy Pantel uh, was the board artist on that episode, and just it just came out so good. So I love 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 that, and I've watched that a ton of times. The other musical number I love is we. Um, a little bit of a reveal. We bring back Chevron from season one, Dot's uh, childhood uh, re- nemesis rival. Um, and it becomes a basically escalating battle of the bands between the two of them, uh, <laughs> which builds just such a crazy final number in that episode, which Sarah wrote uh, that episode. And the last song of that episode is also one of my favorite things in the show. I love, and that's actually even more so just, I love the actual song. It's our a composer. Earworm, it I is think. such a good earworm, <laughs> and our composer, uh, Jay Vincent, just did such a nice job with yeah. it. So, yeah. Love it. Um, I'm gonna say one of my favorite things this season is um, in the Beyond Thunderdot they post apocalyptic costuming of the <laughs> designs that they did for all the characters. Yeah, they're also character specific and amazing. Yeah. I, I printed out a bunch and I put them all over my <laughs> office. Um, it's just one of those examples of like how cool it is to work with such amazing artists yeah. that you could write like. Um, Oh, you know, Tina Turner inspired <laughs> outfit, and then they come it back with like just <laughs> better than you could have ever imagined. Yeah, it's, 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 oh they're God, beautiful. I do love, yeah, Audrey's yeah. post apocalyptic Audrey with the rich backstory Audrey created for it yeah. is one of my favorite uh, things. Also, yeah. Um, and I'll say that uh, I uh, really love podcasts. You know, I think uh, guys like you are like the heroes of our time. And uh, uh, we, I think, mentioned there's an episode where we uh, show Lucretia's podcast, and um, it just came out so well. I'm so happy with the, especially the designs and the storyboard, uh, the background painting, just everything is uh, just so great. Um, and also, I want to give a shout out to our uh, very talented script coordinator, Marie Chang who um, you know, is with us every part of the way and just really crushes it. It's a very uh, hard, demanding job to keep up with everything. And uh, we had a couple freelance episodes by uh, oh, yeah. Elliot, Elliot Kalin, who is a podcast god in his own right. Yeah, and, uh, uh, Elliot Kalin from the Flophouse came in and wrote uh, two episodes for us this season, yeah. which are also amazing, one of which involves a trove of childhood's most dangerous toys. <laughs> uh, and it's kind of like the forbidden treasure of uh, the block. And yeah, especially... Uh, all of, I think it was all of us, but I know some of them are LA, but some of the rest of us. The brainstorming session of what are the best dangerous toys yeah. uh, was just fantastic. That was really fun. He did the other his other episode also. Oh god, his other episode goes into further into Dot's brain than we've ever gotten to see. If we see more <laughs> elements of her psyche in there, and wow. yeah, I'll leave you surprised. Yeah, freelancing is very hard, and he just nailed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, he, really he was so much fun to work with. Yeah. That is so cool. Mackenzie, do you have a favorite thing from season one? Because we haven't had a chance to binge season two yet. I know. So we have we have half as much material to pull from. But I'm going to say 
from this time rewatching some stuff, I loved um, in the LARP episode, Fredo is talking up his character and it goes into this alternate reality and a dark voice and the thunder crashing behind him. And then just smash cuts to him just in the park, just shouting pew, 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 pew. <laughs> Uh, I'm a sucker for Bethos, so yeah. I love, yeah. love it. I love it, yeah. <laughs> I think mine was just the whole sequence um, of when they're teaching the parrots to read. I think, for me, it's it's just that because it's ridiculous, and but it feels real somehow. You know, the, the cupcake and moving to everything, and then suddenly they are reading. Um, my son is just started getting really good at books so he it doesn't sound like that but like oh it's ha- giving like childhood flashbacks of of my raising my son and i felt it in a weird place like oh they're, they're getting it they're, the birds are getting it they're understanding <laughs> it oh yeah and i want to give shout out to our board artist on that episode uh which i'm pretty sure was jelly yeah, yeah, that sure. was Jelly. Uh, I think she was the one who added Audrey yeah, uh, learning to read part. along with the yeah. parrots. Yeah, originally it was just the parrots, and then she <laughs> added that, which then the actress had a field day, Stephanie had a field day, doing the sounding out. Yeah, so it was just, again, the, the nice thing of the whole team, just making that gag get bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, thank you guys so much for having us on. This has been a blast. And again, thank well, you great. for the podcast in general. It's also always a great way just to get to hear about other shows to watch. I feel like the amount of like recommendations or like vetting I have you guys do in my mind where it's like, okay, they like Hilda. I'm going to watch Hilda. Like that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's helpful. There's so much stuff out there. Yeah. It is like overwhelming. So we need curators. Yeah. If we only concentrated on Netflix animation, we still wouldn't be able to keep up with it all. It's <laughs> It's it's remarkable. So um, it's it's great to be able to see what's out there. Um, you know, as people who, I mean, the whole podcast started sitting in a break room discussing the fine tune, um, figuring out who um, Huey, Dewey, and Louie's parents were. <laughs> that's that's how the podcast started. And now that Ducktales is going into it, we're like, ah, here it is. <laughs> yes. We're getting the answer. Yes, five you years ago. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, but thank you guys so much for being here and thank you for you know just being so open with the fans on twitter and everywhere else and just the love for the show is obvious wherever you're, you're scrolling through so it's it's great that you guys have this show and are sharing it with us so thank you well, thank you guys yeah. all for watching and enjoying it that's yeah. what keeps it going If you haven't seen it yet, try to catch The Missing Link in theaters or listen to us next time. Shame you for not seeing it. Your choice. If you have any thoughts you want to share or um, moments you love from Harvey Girls Forever, you can find us on Twitter at WG Animated. And you can find all of our show notes on Podbean, which is writersgetanimated.podbean.com. As always, we want to say thank you to Jacob Reed for our theme music and a very special thanks to Nigel Coutinho, our sound engineer, and a very, very special thanks to Brendan Hay, Mike Yank, and Sarah Nerboso for joining us today from Harvey Girls Forever. Yes. Good night, everybody. Forever. <laughs>